Hello and welcome back to another fabulous episode of You Heard It Here First, the show that helps you discover the best that Audible has to offer. I'm your host, Imriel Morgan, and in today's episode, we are getting all hot and flustered with Sally Rooney's new book, Beautiful World, Where Are You? And straight after, we'll be plunging deep into space when we review Alien Out of the Shadows by Tim Levin. Come along for the ride. To get things going, we have a couple of reviews from you. My favorite thing to do is to find out what books you've all been raving about. So I've had a nosy through the Audible bestsellers list to pick out some customer reviews that I think will pique your interest. This week, I've chosen Think Like a Monk by Jay Shetty. First up, we have Rena Jay, who left this five-star review. This book will transform your life. This audible version of Jay reading his book can only be described as the best ever narrated by author book on Audible I have ever heard. Positive, eloquent and high energy from start to finish. I can only describe this to be a 10 hour podcast by Jay that you just don't want to turn off or even miss a word spoken. Ancient wisdom articulated in how to apply in this modern world in a useful and practical way will surely only have one outcome, and that is Jay succeeding in his vision of making wisdom go viral. That was stunning. Now we have another review from Joanna J. Jahupia, who has a different opinion and gave it three stars. There's nothing new under the sun. As much as there was great wisdom, advice and stories shared, None were new or revolutionary. I also couldn't help but feel patronised on occasions. When speaking rhetorics, it often came from the negative perspective, e.g. when you wake up in the morning, the first thing you do is reach for your phone. I will, however, read this again, as it was good to get a fuller understanding of Dharma and Siwa. Thank you, Rena Jay and Joanna J. Jahupia, for those reviews of Think Like a Monk by Jay Shetty. You can find it on the Audible website today. Each week, we pick out different reviews from Audible to see what you've been loving. Remember to come back next episode as you might find that one of your reviews is featured here. Now it's time to get into a new release from a writer who has kept everyone on their toes waiting for their new book. Today, I'm reviewing Beautiful World, Where Are You? by Sally Rooney. Now, a lot of people have been obsessed with Rooney since her book, Normal People, which became a massive hit during lockdown when it was adapted for TV. So I was naturally quite excited to have a listen. Beautiful World, Where Are You? follows two best friends, Eileen Lydon and Alice Keller, who met at university. The story follows the two as they go through everyday life, the ups and downs of their careers, friendships and relationships. Alice is a successful writer moving into a huge house in a remote village in Ireland. She ends up on a Tinder date with a guy named Felix, but it doesn't go well. Then we are introduced to her friend Eileen, who works at a bookshop and has a crush on a slightly older man called Simon, who she's known since she was a child. That is not as creepy as it sounds. If you've read or watched anything from Sally Rooney, you'll know that she excels in describing the ordinary and mundane through a romantic lens. 
The book is slow and meandering, but in a good way, as it's dropping in and out of Alice and Eileen's day-to-day lives. Alice reconnects with Tinder date Felix and hastily asks him to join her on her book tour in Rome. Felix agrees, and over the course of the trip, their feelings for one another develop and become sexual. Have a listen. But fair warning, this clip is a little bit raunchy. Back in the apartment, they wished one another good night, and Alice went to bed. Felix sat in the kitchen looking at his phone while she lay in the next room with her eyes open, staring at nothing. After midnight, he knocked on her bedroom door. Yes, she said. He looked inside, holding his phone in his hand. Were you sleeping? No. I didn't interrupt anything, I hope. What do you mean? She asked. Interrupt what? I don't know. Whatever girls get up to when they're lying in bed at night. She looked up at him, intrigued. Ah, she said. Well, I wasn't touching myself, if that's what you're implying. He settled himself down with his head on the pillow, lying on his back and looking up at the ceiling. And what do you be thinking about when you do it? He said. Your own little fantasies and things like that. Indeed, she said. See what I mean? It gets you a bit hot under the collar. Meanwhile, Eileen begins a casual relationship with Simon. Somehow, this arrangement doesn't dent their friendship, and Simon continues to see other women, sometimes simultaneously. Yet the two maintain a will-they-won't-they dynamic for the majority of the book. I won't lie to you, nothing monumental or groundbreaking happens in this book. But then again, you don't go into this expecting it to. It's a gentle story following the lives and relationships of the two friends who only seem to communicate via text or email. I don't think this is a spoiler, but the two only ever meet up in person at the end of the book. Class and money come up a fair amount, particularly with Alice and Felix. He is distinctly working class, while Alice is a wealthy middle class woman. This bothers Felix and impacts their intimacy in a number of different ways. For example, Felix can be incredibly snarky and rude to Alice in front of his friends. Themes of mental health creep in too, as we learn early on that Alice is seeking solitude because of a mental breakdown. Other themes like fidelity and loyalty are also mentioned in relation to Simon and Eileen, and yet it's still just told as a natural part of life. I must confess, I haven't read any other Sally Rooney, but I did watch the BBC adaptation of Normal People, and I honestly and controversially hated it. I really need some drama, suspense or jeopardy in my fiction to really feel like I've read something. I would say, though, that I enjoyed listening to this, despite it not having a big blow-up moment. It was nicely paced and held my interest. I didn't love the narrator Aoife McMahon, I'm sorry to say, It wasn't easy to distinguish between the characters, especially the male voices who all just sounded moody and unbothered the whole time, which I felt took away from the story and made them a bit one-dimensional. Overall, though, I think this book is likely to please Rooney fans and live up to expectations of a gentle Irish millennial romance. It's around 10 hours, so it feels full without being overdone, and you'll feel like you've got your credits worth. You can find Beautiful World, Where Are You? by Sally Rooney on the Audible app today. Now it's time for our hidden gem section of the show, where I've taken a rocket ship to the Audible Space Library and floated around to find a pick you may have missed. And the book I've chosen today is 
Alien, Out of the Shadows by Tim Leban. This pick definitely took me out of my comfort zone, which I think was a good thing as it's not something I would normally choose. Now, this book isn't for the faint of heart. Having seen some of the Alien franchise films, I knew it was going to be scary, so do expect quite a bit of gore while listening. Alien Out of the Shadows by Tim Leban is the first novel in the Alien trilogy and was designed to tie into the events of the existing film series, but takes on a different storyline. This means if you're a huge Alien fan, you will enjoy something fresh. And if you are new to the films, you won't be confused as it starts from scratch. Okay, so at the beginning, you're placed on board a mining vessel called the Marion in the year 2159, which is orbiting the mined planet LV-178. We're then introduced to some of the crew. Chief Engineer Chris Hooper, also known as Hoop, Lachance, the craft's pilot, Karen Sneddon, a science officer, and Kazyanov, the ship's doctor, and a few more. While working on board the Marion, the crew noticed two separate vessels, the Samson and the Delilah, launch from the planet towards the ship. One vessel is out of control and crashes into the Marion, while the other docks to let something very sinister loose onto the ship. The Marion's crew, who are not on LV-178, watch video footage showing the mining crew being slaughtered by alien creatures, which are now on board the ship. The surviving crew now have to figure out what to do to get out of this mess. Their ship's been damaged, and to add to the mix, the Marion receives a transmission from an escape shuttle piloted by the one and only Ellen Ripley, who you might know is the main protagonist in the Alien films. Turns out she's been floating around in space for 37 years under the control of a menacing AI called Ash. Ripley makes it on board the Marion, but her joy at being rescued is short-lived as she realises that she's been drifting for three and a half decades. To her dismay, she also learns that Ash is still with her and that she's woken up in the midst of another life-threatening alien attack. Let's have a listen. She dreams of monsters. Sharp, black, chitinous, sleek, vicious, hiding in shadows and pouncing, seeding themselves in people she loved, her ex-husband, her sweet daughter, and then bursting forth in showers of far too much blood. They expand too quickly, as if rapidly brought in close from distances she can barely comprehend. And as they are drawn nearer through the voids of deep space, they are growing growing, the size of a ship, a moon, a planet, and then larger still. They will swallow the universe, and yet they will still leave her alive to witness its consumption. She dreams of monsters stalking the corridors of her mind and wiping faces from memory before she can even remember their names. See, it sounds so sinister. The tension between the characters rises beautifully in this book, especially as they discover that the evil AI Ash has plans to bring an alien back to Earth. The narrator Jeff Harding did a marvellous job. He played Ash's voice similar to Hal, the robot from 2001 A Space Odyssey, which really gave me the shivers. He really held me captive and was a master of building up suspense. Tim Leban, the author, is meticulously detailed when describing this futuristic world. For example, we get extraordinary descriptions of high-tech equipment, space-blasting weapons, and medical pods that heal bones in an instant. 
I found some details really put me on edge, though, especially that of the aliens with their sharp talons and snarling teeth. Also, he really didn't hold back on the descriptions of the vicious attacks on the crew. They were nasty. You definitely do not want to listen to this before bed. Rest assured, though, the book isn't all blood and gore. There are some elements of a psychological thriller thrown in, as well as themes of isolation and longing. We see this most with Ripley's nightmares, which are vivid dreams of her child, who she hasn't seen for years, facing an alien attack. Harrowing stuff. As this was my first proper horror sci-fi pick, I think it's a strong introduction to the genre and to the Alien franchise. If, like me, this is also out of your comfort zone, you might want to opt for something a little less gory, like R.R. Hayward's The World Ship Humility, which we reviewed in episode one of this series. However, if blood-curdling horror and suspense is your thing, then you can find Alien Out of the Shadows by Tim Leban on the Audible app today where you can also find the incredible dramatised version directed by Dirk Mags, which has rave reviews. Next up are two incredible guests who want to recommend the books they can't stop talking about. First up is Sam Butler, an editor from Audible. Hi Sam, welcome back to the podcast. Can you tell us what you've chosen for us today? Who's it by? What's it about? Tell me everything. <laughs> yes. Hi Emil, it's good to be back. I have chosen uh, The Eye of the World, which is the first book in the Wheel of Time saga, written by Robert Jordan. And it is the first book in a series of an epic fantasy. And it follows a group of teens who are... Villagers kind of have no idea about the outside world and are kind of thrust into this adventure that begins uh, a very long 14 book, 15 if you include the prologue, uh, 15 book series, which sees them accomplish many amazing feats and thrown into a lot of sort of uncomfortable and dangerous scenarios. Nice. This is quite a lot different from the first time you appeared (laughs) and chose the Travelling Cat Chronicles, which is just wildly different, a wildly different choice. What is it that you love about this book in particular and, you know, made you go there? (laughs) Yeah, a bit different to a story about a cat in a camper van. Um, (laughs) Well, so fantasy is like, is my favourite genre of fiction. And for me, this is the fantasy story. And the story across the series is just so engrossing and there's so many characters in it that you end up caring a lot about that for me it's kind of the ultimate fantasy story basically and I'm very excited because it's being turned into a tv show later this year as well oh amazing I feel like fantasy folks are having a moment right now especially with um, tv and film adaptations it's just so built for that we all need escapism and new worlds to just kind of lose ourselves in so I completely understand what were your standout moments was there anything that completely just kind of captivated you or a moment in the book that people can look forward to even yes for me there's loads obviously given it's my favorite story I think an important one early on is actually when one of the protagonists Rand he is sort of traveling to his local village because he lives slightly outside for a spring festival but on his journey there he sees something or someone that looks quite suspect and it's this moment of seeing this being uh watching him that really kind of kicks off the journey and sets up the first of many mysteries sounds lovely let's go to a clip as rand watched his side of the road the feeling grew in him that he was being watched for a while he tried to shrug it off 
Nothing moved or made a sound among the trees, except the wind. There was nothing in the woods on his side of the road, and Tam would have spoken if there had been anything on the other. He glanced over his shoulder and blinked. Not more than twenty spans back down the road, a cloaked figure on horseback followed them. Horse and rider alike black, dull, and ungleaming. The rider's cloak covered him to his boot tops. The cowl tugged well forward so no part of him showed. Vaguely, Rand thought there was something odd about the horseman, but it was the shadowed opening of the hood that fascinated him. He could see only the vaguest outlines of a face, but he had the feeling he was looking right into the rider's eyes. And he could not look away. What would you compare this book to? So, Lord of the Rings is the obvious one. Robert Jordan did explicitly sort of make a point of making the Eye of the World more like Lord of the Rings than I think he was originally going to. Although that kind of separates out as you go in through the rest of the series and it actually becomes quite different later on. That being said, there is a pretty key difference between them. Lord of the Rings is quite concerned with rejecting power, like the power of the ring. The Eye of the World and the rest of the series is, I think, more complicated and I think more interesting for that in so much as it doesn't say that they're necessarily the right route for sort of good. It's mm. about how you use it well and what a good use of power can look like, which opens up a lot of confusing questions and adds many more layers to the story than I personally think Lord of the Rings has. As you said, though, the Wheel of Time series contains 14 novels and is so long that the author died before completing yeah, his body exactly. of work. But he did train an apprentice to carry on writing the book. So I'm curious to know, how far are you into the series? And have you got that far that the new person has taken over and you notice the difference? So I've read the series quite a few years ago now, and I'm listening through it again. And where I'm up to is where I'm listening to it. I haven't yet gotten to that point. I think Brandon Sanderson comes in book 12. Yeah, because he does the last three. It is different. They have very different styles in some regards. But the reason why Brandon Sanderson was chosen to take over, first of all, like a very successful fantasy author in his own right, and he was also a big fan of the books. And Robert Jordan left him a lot of notes as well. So I would say <laughs> you definitely can notice, but I think Brandon Sanderson does an excellent job of keeping the overall spirit and he managed to do a good job of finishing them, in my opinion. Nice. I like that. Uh, I bet there's some some avid fans that might not feel the same way. I just get the sense that this is the kind of community that will feel quite protective. Yes. And some people might not be so keen. <laughs> and finally, why should people download this book? Well, it's long, so uh, it's definitely credit worthy. Um, <laughs> uh, you'll get your money's worth for it. But no, for me, it is the quintessential fantasy story. It feels familiar, building on works that came before it, but also does a lot of interesting things that make it a respectable series in its own right. And I think if you are able to get to the end of the first book, I would bet that you will continue to on through the others. And although the writing isn't always the best, potentially. It is a story that will stay with you. And I think if you're looking for escapism, you'd be hard-pressed to find a better book. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Sam. My pleasure. Thank you, Emil. The Eye of the World by Robert Jordan was Sam's pick this week. You can find it on Audible. And looking to top that with their pick is special guest, best-selling novelist, Millie Johnson. Hi, Millie. Welcome to the podcast. Can you briefly tell me who you are and what you do? My name is Millie Johnson. I'm a, a novelist from Barnsley of uh, romantic 
contemporary comedy books. I'm just about to release my 19th. 19 books. That's incredible. Thank you. What have you chosen for us today? I've chosen Something in the Water by Catherine Steadman. It's about a a couple. They're well-to-do. They're city people. Nice house. They're getting married. He loses his job, so they have to cut down on what they were going to spend. But the one thing they don't want to do is cut down on the honeymoon. They're going to Bora Bora. Mm -hmm. And they go to Bora Bora and they dive in and swimming away and they find this big bag in the water. And their whole life changes. They get themselves in a real stew. You know, how do you get the, the contents of this bag back home? And and it changes their personalities. Uh, but how it started for me was just a mind blower. You know, I was right in. I do like books that grab a reader and pull them straight in so they can't get out. Yeah, speaking of the start, what was the standout moment? Because it sounds like it could be at the very beginning for you. Well, the first words, really, it was like, have you ever buried a body? Whatever you thought it would be like, it's not at all. And quite scaringly, because if you ever met Catherine, she's, she's very petite and blonde. And I actually did believe that this woman had buried this man's body. She goes into the detail of how much soil she's moved, what it weighs, the sheer physicality of the task, and that the fact is that she can't get out of it. And when I spoke to her afterwards about it, she said that she had really researched all this. I didn't ask it in detail how much she'd researched it. You know? <laughs> Did she go but and dig a grave? <laughs> I Well, I rather do believe that she, she must have had a go at it. And she said, everything that you find in my book where they Google things and, and that, she Googled it. It was fascinating to hear. And I don't Google most of the things up myself in case the police ever come round. They'll be thinking, <laughs> what's she Googling there? Yeah. That's a good little exclusive fact for us. Thank you. Let's go to a clip of that. Have you ever wondered how long it takes to dig a grave? Wonder no longer. It takes an age. However long you think it takes, double that. It's hard. Nothing about it is easy. The ground is solid and heavy and slow. It's so damn hard. And it's boring and long. And it has to be done. The stress, the adrenaline, the desperate animal need to do it sustains you for about 20 minutes. Then you crash. Your muscles yawn against the bones in your arms and legs, skin to bone, bone to skin. Your heart aches from the aftermath of adrenal shock. Your blood sugar drops, you hit the wall. A full body hit. But you know, You know with crystal clarity that high or low, exhausted or not, that hole is getting dug. It is very, very good. And I think there's something about the fact that Catherine Steadman is narrating the book. And she's also a very well-known actress. (laughs) Some might know her from Downton Abbey. (laughs) She has got the characters down pat, even down to the different voices as well. Did you enjoy her narration? I thought it was brilliant. Honestly, she was... Erin in the book. She was, she's got this lovely, just slightly smoky voice, Mm. but sounds quite very cultured. As I said, the the sort of city girl that you could imagine in the book, I I thought her narration was perfect. Mm -hmm. I don't think you could have gotten a better narrator for something in the water than Catherine Steadman. Yeah. I mean, she would have known exactly what she wanted. 
it's the suspense building and it's the pacing. It's very well done. It's probably one of the better narrated books I've, I've experienced as well. I would love to hear more about your new book, The Woman in the Middle, which is quite different to the book you've chosen for us. So can you tell us a little bit about it? It's about a woman called Shay, who is in her mid-40s, and she's got two grown-up children who have just flown away from the, the nest. Her husband, Bruce, has been, and her marriage have, have become a casualty almost to um, the life that she's led because all her adult life she's been either looking after her in-laws or bringing up children, and her husband's been pushed down into second place. They've, they've kind of um, assumed the traditional roles where he goes out to work, comes back, puts his feet up. She looks after the kids, tries to squash a job in around this. And then at the point now where maybe the kids have left, she should be putting some more into a marriage. Her parents have started to falter. So she really oh, is no. squashed in the middle of this sandwich. And the way the story starts, it's a, a big orange skip arrives on her mum's drive. And her mum is losing her mind a bit. Ah, okay. Um, That's odd. But all kinds of things start to swim to the surface, triggered off by the sight of this skip. I hope a lot of people identify with it because I, I try and write about things that I that have happened to me or I've seen around that I haven't seen books written about them. Like I wanted to write this one, this book about this woman who is buried really under obligations and then... As I say, the uh, one of the sections of my book is is about a phoenix who has to burn to the ground before she can rise from the ashes. Sounds absolutely brilliant. I can't wait for it to be released. Thank you so much, Millie. Thank you very much. It was a, a joy to speak to you. Something in the Water by Catherine Steadman is Millie Johnson's pick. You can find it on the Audible website today. And as we speak, you can pre-order Millie's book, The Woman in the Middle. But if you're listening on or after the 14th of October, you can get it right now. Now we've come to the part where we get to hear from our BFF podcast, Audible Sessions, where Audible invites some of your favourite authors to talk about their new releases. And this week, I've chosen a clip from Rosie Jones's Audible Session. Rosie Jones is a British stand-up comedian, screenwriter and children's author and has written for sitcoms such as Sex Education on Netflix. Rosie talks to Holly Newson about representation of disability in comedy, what it was like writing her first children's book and being more than a label. Let's have a quick listen. Growing up. I loved writing and reading so much, but never in any other books I read was the main character disabled. And I had a great and lovely childhood, but I think in hindsight it affected me because I started to believe that as a disabled person I couldn't be the main character. So Idiot Cat was born and she's 11 years old and she got cerebral palsy but 
She's amazing. What I really liked about this Audible session is that Rosie wrote a book that put her self and her identity at the centre and made that the main character because she didn't see that when she was younger. And I love, love, love when we write books that solve problems of representation. So I'm really, really excited for all of the children that should be reading this and can read this and finally have access to see themselves represented in a children's book where they are the heroes. And that's really magical. You can get more from Rosie Jones by downloading her full Audible session for free on the Audible website, where you can also find her new book, The Amazing Edie Eckhart. And finally, it's time for our Listener's Corner, which means I get to hear from one of you about a book, podcast or drama you're loving. Are you in the mood for some soul-stirring poetry? Well, this week's recommendation from Charlotte might just be what you need. Let's hear what she's picked. My name is Charlotte, and I'd like to recommend Clarity and Connection by Diego Perez, also known as Young Pueblo. Through poetry and short prose, the audiobook explores how our subconscious conditioning and emotions inform the way in which we communicate with others and build our relationships. His words caused me to pause and reflect on patterns that I found myself in, encouraging me to let go be more present and shift perspective on how I think. Split into six chapters, Young Pueblo's beautiful poems delicately guide you through a journey of personal observation and growth. The audiobook encourages healthy reflection so that as we gain more clarity within ourselves and our inner journeys, we can create more fulfilling and deeper connections with those around us. Thank you, Charlotte. What a beautiful choice. As a thank you, we're sending you two credits to download anything you like from the Audible website or app. You can find Charlotte's recommendation, Clarity and Connection by Young Pueblo on Audible now. And for your chance to win some credits, why not send us a review too? Just send us a short message telling us about your favourite listen and you might get featured here. Record a voice note on your phone or send us your thoughts and I'll read them out. Email your reviews or voice notes to us at yhihf at audible.co.uk. That's the first letters of You Heard It Here First. Or tweet us at yhihfpod. But don't forget, keep your reviews spoiler free. And sadly, that's all for this week's You Heard It Here First. In case you missed any of the titles we recommended today, here they are again. Think Like a Monk by Jay Shetty. Beautiful World, Where Are You? by Sally Rooney. Alien, Out of the Shadows by Tim Lebon. The Eye of the World by Robert Jordan. Something in the Water by Catherine Steadman. The Woman in the Middle by Millie Johnson. Rosie Jones, Audible Session. Clarity and Connection by Young Pueblo. Remember to catch up with us between shows on social media. Send us your favourite or most recent listen and tag at YHIHFpod on Instagram and Twitter. And while you're at it, give us a follow too. You've been listening to You Heard It Here First, an Audible original produced by Content Is Queen. Presented by me, Imriel Morgan. Additional voices by Lazara Morgan and Amber Miller. And featuring Sam Butler and Millie Johnson. It was produced by Amber Miller and Ellie Clifford. Original music was by Seth Bradford. For Audible, the executive producer was Holly Newson, the production executive was Hayley Nathan, and the commissioning editor was Kent Pinto. <laughs> <laughs>